Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The most important thing that you can ever learn in investing is not to get killed, not to get wiped out, how not to lose large amounts of money. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. My name's Phil Muscatello, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, Benjamin Blakeman, the Oracle on Wilshire. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm great. So we were just talking off air a moment ago about how busy you are. Not only are you running a successful law practice, but also writing the newsletter and trading stocks all day. Is that your life at the moment? That's uh, pretty much it, except for an occasional uh, dinner with friends. <laughs> what's, what's driving you at the moment for that, to do all that? I love doing it. I've been fascinated by the stock market since I was a young lad. I've been practicing law for over 40 years, and I'm in a particular niche of law practice involving life insurance litigation, where I'm one of the top experts in the United States. But I, Oh, sorry, go yeah. on. You, you keep talking. Yep. No, I've just always been fascinated by life insurance. Nobody, uh, nobody understands why, and I've never been able to successfully explain it. Is it, is it something to do with the maths that's involved? That's, I mean, it must be similar to looking at the stock market as well because you're, you're managing risk, really, with uh, life insurance. Well, you know, the insurance company is managing the risk. You know, I represent consumers. It really has to do with the, the fact that it's so unique. I, there is just no other product in the world like life insurance. It just has all kinds of strange little characteristics that uh, make sense only to me. So when you, your fascination with the stock market, can you uh, remember back to the days when you first uh, started becoming interested in it? Yeah, well, actually, it started with commodities. My uncle back in the 60s was telling me that silver and gold were going to go crazy because uh, we were going off the gold standard. He told me I should have my father go to the bank every week and get a bunch of coins and pull out all the silver coins because they were going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> and that idea always fascinated me. And then, you know, I became much more interested in commodities in general. And the stocks really didn't start until I was in my 20s. What was it? Do you remember your first stock purchase? Oh, it was some mutual fund. My parents bought it for me um, in a retirement account. It was not particularly interesting. What got me really interested in the stock market was when I st discovered charts, and that was really much later. And then because of the internet, it became possible to have interactive charts. You know, that, that just turned on a light bulb in my brain. Was there any reading that you did that led you to charts? Uh, no. I, I became interested in charts when I was still trading commodities. I mean, they used to have these books, you know, kind of that would come out once a week with the latest commodity charts, 
So I was kind of always interested in the concept of being able to pick the top or the bottom of a market by looking at a chart. It always seemed to me to be much too difficult to analyze the fundamentals of whatever it was you were trading, because there will always be people that knew so much more than I knew or that I could ever possibly know. And what they knew would somehow be reflected in the trading, in the chart, and you could see that. So it, it seemed to me to be a better way to approach trading. It's interesting. The Most of the guests that have been on the podcast have been very much value investors. And what they're doing is they're doing a lot of research into the value of companies that they're looking to in, invest in. Um, and it's it's almost like a religious war, isn't it, between the fundamental analysts and the, the technical <laughs> yeah. analysts, yes, isn't we're it? Gonna be, we're going to be taking up arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but it, it is interesting what you say because you, you, you would think that the all of that research and fundamental analysis is, is partly reflected in the price action that is showing on a chart. It definitely is. Mm. It, it absolutely is. But, you know, the, there is a concept called the collective wisdom of markets, mm. which basically holds that the market as a whole knows much more than any one person or any group of people, unless they have inside information. And, you know, what's what's interesting about the charts and also the data that comes with the charts is that people who actually do have inside information and who are trading on that inside information are transparent in the marketplace. You may not, you don't know what the information is, but you can see what they're doing. This is not a visual medium. We're using audio only, but in its right. simply, in its simplest form, can you describe how you set up a chart to look at it? Well, I, I use a number of technical indicators. I use something that is called a candlesticks, and a candlestick is just a wide body which can have a wick at either end. If it opens lower and closes higher, the body will be green. If the highest point uh, is higher than the close, then there will be a wick, and the same way on you know, reverse. It's a Japanese technique of charting that has existed, I believe, since the 16th or the 17th century. And so any place that you go and get a chart from download a chart from the broker or from the provider, you will always have the option to use candlesticks. And I find them very useful. Then on top of that, I impose a number of technical indicators, one of which is Probably the most important one is Bollinger Bands. And these are available wherever you get a chart. You can um, go to Yahoo Finance, for example, and set up a chart to look at, um, look at the, the markets and price action um, exactly. using exactly these kind of um, things. Now, the candlestick, let's, let's just um, sit on the candlestick for a moment. Uh, that's in the, the style of chart. There's, um, you can select a line chart or a bar chart. Right. So that um, particular candlestick, that can be the opening and closing across a single day or a week, five minutes, months, even years. Exactly. I like to use days or weeks, but I will look at sometimes a 15-minute chart 
or I'll look at a monthly chart. Obviously, if you're looking at a monthly chart, it's you get a very, very different picture of the long-term trend. And the trend, by the way, is determined visually by just looking at which way the midline of the chart is going. Once you set up the Bollinger Bands, this is the way I do it anyway, you have the midline is either going up, down, or sideways, and that's the trend. So there's plenty of technical indicators that people use. Um, there's RSIs, there's moving averages. Right. There's hundreds of them, really. What is it about Bollinger Bands that um, you find give you the most information? Well, no, I don't just use Bollinger Bands. I okay. also, I used to use RSI. Mm-hmm. Um, I now found that a CCI average works better for me than RSI, but there's nothing wrong with RSI. I also use something called the uh, Directional Movement Indicator, DMI. The Bollinger Bands are superimposed on the chart itself mm. as opposed to being in a separate subchart. You can actually see when the candle hits the Bollinger Band, that's significant. When it goes outside the band, that's significant. And when it comes back inside the band, that's significant. So you have a visual sense of whether your stock is oversold or overbought, depending on where it is within the band. And you also have the expansion and contraction of the bands, which describes the volatility and gives you a lot of sense of just what's going on with that particular stock. You know, when a stock doesn't move for a long time, people wonder what's going on. If you're looking at the bands, you'll see the bands are very narrow. And then at some point, the stock will either push out to the top side, break out, or fall out of the bottom. And that's very significant when that happens. And it's very simple for someone to go to, say, somewhere like Google Finance or Yahoo Finance and set up a chart like this and superimpose Bollinger Bands themselves. What kind of settings would they be best to use when they're setting up that kind of um, indicator? Well, uh, you mean the actual nuts and bolts of the Bollinger Bands? I use a 12, I think it's a 12-day with um, two standard deviations, and then for the uh, CCI average, I use a 14-day, a 14 and 9. And the, C- the CCI average is, um, it's not superimposed? It's like an RSI that's on a, a separate... No, it's a separate, it's in a separate subgraph. Because you see that sometimes when people have their graphs together that they might have something like moving averages over the price, um, over the candle. Well, you sticks. have, you, yep. yeah, you do have a moving average in the chart with the Bollinger Bands. Yes. It's not the same as the CCI average. Mm -hmm. CCI has its own moving average. So they don't necessarily um, coincide. When they do, it can be very powerful. In technical analysis, there are some schools of thoughts that also um, draw patterns over over the candlesticks, you know, um, flags and pennants and heads and shoulders and so forth. Yeah. Uh, Do you you subscribe to any of that? Um, I don't really do that very much. I will look at double tops, double bottoms, lower highs, lower lows, that sort of thing. Mm. But those standard patterns that so many people use, I really don't find to be that reliable. Two people look at the exact same pattern and and they interpret it 
completely <laughs> differently. And, you know, the last thing in the world you need if you're trying to do technical analysis is to get into an argument over what it means, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's um, what's interesting about technical analysis. It's it covers so many different ways of looking at charts, but really it's about finding what works for you. Right, of course, and you know, developing a level of comfort with what you're doing so that you can actually go ahead and take the risk. You know, the famous story about Bernard Madoff. You know who he was, right? Yes, yes. he still is. Mm -hmm. Actually, he's he's in prison. Um, but I mean, the, the, the incredible thing about him was at, at one time he was the, uh, I believe he was the chairman of the NASDAQ stock exchange. And yet mm. when he became a financial advisor and started taking these huge sums of money from people and putting out these, all these, um, records of trades that he never did. I mean, what was really going on is he was afraid to actually do a trade. <laughs> he got burned so many times that he just took the money and put it in money market accounts and never traded it, <laughs> which is which is also why they recovered most of that money. But wow. um, <laughs> that's an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, here's a guy whose his whole life was the stock market, and he couldn't execute mm. a trade. Uh, it's funny. That's the way I'm feeling. Having doing these podcasts and learning so much more about how the market operates, I've been scared into the safety of ETFs rather than trying to trade individual stocks? Well, you know, individual stocks are a challenge. Mm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. it there are binary event, events. They're unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Like what happened, for example, the Monday before last when you had the, the Dow opened up 1,700 points, a lot of the stocks that I was in at that point that have been doing very, very well suddenly collapsed, right? <laughs> And there was just no way to predict it at all. And there was, you know, nothing you could do but take losses. So, um, you know, that's one of those things that happens. Individual stocks can suddenly and dramatically appreciate or drop. You know, and we think of earnings reports. That's certainly one of them, the precipitating events. But there are lots and lots of other things that happen. And it's scary as hell. So uh, there are ways to protect yourself but there are no ways to insulate yourself against losses it's uh, worth noting at this point that technical analysis is not a magic bullet is it it's uh it's a tool that you can use to, <laughs> well, to help you but it's yeah. not going to give you yeah. uh, it's not like reading tea leaves or you know it's not as predictable as astrology for example <laughs> well no it's more predictable than astrology in my opinion oh, I, i'm just joking i do know something about astrology but um, no, it's certainly not a magic bullet. At least it, if there is one in technical analysis, I haven't found it. And I don't know anyone else who has. But you do get some very powerful indications that make it much more likely that you will be right than wrong on a particular trade. And if you do enough of them over time, you know, you, you'll make money. But I, I do agree with you that uh, ETFs are a lot safer. And so for someone first uh, taking their first uh, steps in the market, you would recommend um, going to ETFs? Yes, I would. Yeah, I, you, you certainly don't want to make your first trade uh, buying 
100 shares of Amazon at $3,100 a share and, and seeing it drop 10%. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that, that, is, that is not a worthwhile experience to start out with. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And what kind of ETFs would you recommend? Well, the most uh, conservative and liquid ETFs and the least volatile ETFs, although don't let me don't let me imply they're not volatile, but would be just the SPY, which is a tracking stock for the S&P 500, the broadest base index that we have. And then there is actually one I preferred to that one, which is RSP, which is an equal weighted version of the S&P 500. Also the NASDAQ 100, which is the QQQ, and the uh, equal weighted NASDAQ 100, which is QQQE. That's probably the two that I would start out with. And uh, these are what are known as index huggers. Is that correct? They're index tracking, index tracking ETFs. And so they're made up of the constituents of the index. And in the case of SPY, the S&P 500. That's right. So the, the, the manager has to track the index and, um, you know, it, it's a little trickier than you might think for them to do that. But, but the, uh, the fees are very, very low. They're like 20 basis points or something like that. So you're not getting, you're not paying a lot of money to the managers. Very, very few people have been able to beat those averages over time. Very few people. So you're probably going to get about what the market is is um, is is giving everyone else. And presumably, you want to be in for a significant period of time. You're not that's not buying into that to try and make money within a week or two. Well, you know, for somebody that's starting out, yes. I mean, you you, you don't want to be jumping in and out of the market. If you try to do that, generally speaking, you're probably going to get it you're going to the object is to buy low and sell high and what you're going to wind up doing is buying high and selling low because (laughs) you see that chart jump and you want to get in and so you chase after it and then as soon as you do that it starts to go down you get scared and sell at the bottom then it goes back up again it's really uh it can be very discouraging And, and it doesn't make sense to do that with those you know, you, you want to take a longer term view if you're saving for, you know, your later years or whatever it is that you're saving for college education, retirement, buying a house, you name it. You don't want to be messing with individual trades. That's not what I do, but it's what mm. I should do if I were a beginner and I wanted to uh, 
save money. One of the great pieces of advice that one of my guests shared with me was match your risk to your experience. Well, there is a whole litany of things that, um, and I, I did used to be a financial advisor, and you have to look at risk tolerance and time horizon. Those are two of the most important things. So every investor has a different level of risk tolerance. You know, some people, if they lose 10%, they'll go out and jump off a bridge. Other people could lose 30% and not even think anything of it. So you have to really look at that. You have to look at whether you want to be long-term, medium-term, short-term, when you're going to need money, uh, you know, where you are in life, you know, in, in terms of your career and your, your earning years and so on. There's a whole bunch of things that you need to consider in order to make appropriate or, as we call it, suitable investments, which is also something that I get into in, in my litigation practice. I think it's an interesting journey that new investors go on. I think for a lot of new investors, all they see is Tesla and they see the price going through the roof, rocketing. Right. And that's what they think of investing. And then it's a long step from going from Tesla into what we've just been talking about, about managing risk, looking for your goals, what are you actually trying to do? Um, Is there any advice that you could give people like that? I mean, there's a lot of advice I could give, but <laughs> I, um, as a matter of fact, I just made a trade on Tesla that so far in, in one day I made over $3,000, but, mm. um, and it wasn't a really high risk trade, believe it or not. To put it simply, you need to understand how the market works and you need to understand the tools of the market. I'm continuously astounded by the fact that uh, there are so many people, including people that have been investing for years that don't even know how options work. Well, the problem Mm. with that is you are competing against millions and millions of other people who do know how options work and who use those options to their advantage and your disadvantage if you don't know how to use them. So I would say to anybody it's fine to just buy stock or to buy an ETF and hold it for a long time, but you will probably do better if you learn how to use options, at least in a defensive way. They are a tool that can save you a ton of money. And the important thing, the most important thing that you can ever learn in investing is not to get killed, not to get wiped out, how not to lose large amounts of money. And how do options uh, help with that? Well, uh, let's say you have a stock, to to give an easy example. Mm -hmm. You have a stock with a big gain that you've made this year, and uh, you don't want to sell it, but it starts, you don't want to sell it because if you do sell it, you'll have to pay a bunch of tax on your gain, okay? And you want to avoid that, but that means you can't sell the stock until the end of the year, and it's only the middle of November. What are you going to do? You can buy a protective put option, which gives you the right to sell your stock at a set price for a, a, a given length of time. Let's say you buy a January put option. Let's say you have Tesla and it's, you know, five, $500 a share. You, you don't want to sell it, but you bought it at 400 and you're sitting on a big gain. You can buy a put option 
to sell it at 475 if it goes down there for January. That's going to cost you some money to do that, but it will protect you. So if Tesla even loses half of its value, you can still sell it at 475 yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's um, people really do need to take the time to understand options and how they work in their most um, simplest form, um, because you can protect and you can also gain some income from them as well, can't you? Well, you can. You can sell covered call options against the position mm. and get income. And if you know they'll, if it's an out of the money call option, the the stock may get called away from you, but it's with a profit and you keep the option mm. money. Have you got information on your website that um, describes this kind of um, protection and uh, income generation? Well, I recommend people just go to the CBOE website, the Chicago Board Options Exchange website. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all kinds of valuable material there. But any, any broker that you open an account with will have all kinds of option material. Mm-hmm. Most of it comes from the CBOE. That that's where I that's where I would start. And just read it. You know, I I see so many people who say, "Well, I don't have the time." You know, especially for some reason among women, and they're somehow raised to believe that they don't understand or can't understand numbers, which is ridiculous. I, you know, some of the most brilliant mathematicians that ever lived were women. And just take the time, sit down, and read it. Or uh, Larry McMillan has some really good publications out. He's been in the options trade for over 40 years. There's so much material available. You just have to take the time to understand it. So tell us a little bit more about uh, the Oracle on Wilshire newsletter. Okay, well, you know, my newsletter is uh, written kind of in the way I speak. I try not to be pedantic. I try not to be boring. You know, I try to have it have a little humor into it. But basically what I'm talking about is the stock market and how it relates to the economy and how people look at it. Then I kind of analyze where I think the markets are going. And I look at, you know, the Dow, Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, I look at the NASDAQ, I look at some foreign markets and bonds, I look at gold, I look at Bitcoin, I try to analyze technical trends that I see in the market. Sometimes I'm way off, but most of the time I have a pretty good idea where the market is headed in the short term and the intermediate term. As far as the long term, you know, the long term uh, kind of takes care of itself if you follow the intermediate moves of the market. The long term is very, very different mm. from short or intermediate term. And it, it, if I was advising somebody that's just starting out and putting money into a fund, I would look at the long term. Mm. I, I wouldn't pay any attention to intermediate uh, to start out with. Yep. That's, um, that's something that people have got to learn, not to, to have the bulk of their investment wealth, especially when they're starting out and have got no experience in something long-term, like a long-term ETF that we described before, and then to try and start to learn about it from there. Right. And so there's another technique that we learned when I was in the financial advising. It's called dollar cost averaging. Mm -hmm. So 
it's a way of timing the market without timing the market. And the idea behind it is you take a, a given sum of money and you decide I'm going to put so much in every month. But if you start out with a significant amount, you still put so much in every month. You allocate it. So you say like on the on the last day of every month or the first day of every month or the 10th day of every month, I'm going to put X number of dollars into this fund and without regard to the price. So what winds up happening is you get more, you buy more when it's lower and you buy less when it's higher. And that tends to smooth out your returns. And it compounds. Well, of course, you get you get the benefit of compounding regardless. I mean, the whole idea of compounding interest is that you get interest on interest, which um, I forget which investor it was who said it was the uh, one of the wonders of the modern world that you can get interest on interest because uh, your returns, as long as you um, don't have to pay tax on the accumulated returns, it just stays in the account and it grows and it can grow exponentially. So where can listeners um, find you and your newsletter and uh, more information about you? Um, we have a website. It's called oracleonwilshire.com. And by the way, Wilshire, the reason I use Wilshire is I started out in Los Angeles as a lawyer, uh, you know, came here to go to law school. Mm. And I've had over the years, I've had eight different offices on Wilshire Boulevard. Wilshire Boulevard goes <laughs> from Santa Monica to downtown Los Angeles. And probably half of the lawyers in the city have offices on that street. <laughs> so that's where I happened to be. And, and so I did, that's what I used. Wilshire was a famous developer who was instrumental in building the city of Los Angeles. Uh, anyway, it's oracleonwilshire.com is the website. And um, you can request to be put on the list for the newsletter, there's no charge. If you want to sign up for individual trades, which I don't think you would want to do if you're a beginner, but you, you certainly could, it's uh, $40 a month, but the first month is free. And um, presumably there's lots of great information in the free newsletter as well for people just starting out. It's a good read. I, I've been told mm. by many people it's a good read. They enjoy it. Some of them don't enjoy the, uh, a lot of them don't enjoy the technical part that much but mm. there is a lot to learn there and if anybody wants to make suggestions how i could improve it i'd be certainly open to listening to them. benjamin blakeman thank you very much for joining me well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thanks to Christopher Sulos for music production out of Garlic Breath Studio. Music flows when the money don't. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.